Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Don Hutchison. You're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Everybody, my name is Neil White, and from Backpage, this is the big interview with Graham Hunter. Every month, we do a QA with the questions coming from our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, who also get early access to all our podcasts, extra big interviews, and other exclusive content. This is part two of our new season La Liga special. And Graham, the first question comes from, I think, a first time participant, socio Gavin Homechuk from, wait for it. Falkirk. Come on, you Burns. Gavin writes, what's the general feeling with Ernesto Valverde? Is he a few bad results away from being sacked? After Anfield, how much credit does he have in the bank to get through a sticky start considering the current injuries at Barca? Graham, online certainly, I get a sense of a fickle old Barca support. What's it like in the... <laughs> I do. Well, That's it begin, how it comes over It begins with F media. and it's got CK in it, but I'm not so sure fickle would be the exact <laughs> word. <laughs> Was it like in Barcelona and in the media there concerning a coach who, let's not forget, is going for a third successive league title? Yeah, I'm not 100% convinced that the, the media is our barometer in this one. I don't disagree with you at all, hmm. but as... I think Gavin is hinting at the fan base. First of all, you said fickle. The fan base is is pretty firmly divided. There is a new constituency, you know, in our in our lives of writing books together or or recording these podcasts, which is the online community. And probably the majority of them don't visit the camp now often because they live in different countries, may not ever have visited the camp now. But they feel as passionately, as virulently as anybody who's been going there for 50 years does. And that community is noticeably, you know, by the majority, not not unanimously, anti-Valverde. And I think that, again, I go back to an answer I gave yesterday where it's it's about this. I fell in love with a particular brand of football at this club. I want this brand of football forever and it's not here and I find Valverde culpable. All right, let's set that aside. The reason that I don't think the media is our number one barometer, although often it can be in the sacking of a Camp Nou coach, Neil, I accept that point. It's that Valverde has got something unusual. He somehow or other, I have my opinions about how, has has won an affinity with the large majority of his squad. And there are a vast range of examples. This is the coach with whom Messi has got on best 
since the first two years of Pep Guardiola. Maybe it's to, to Valverde's great good fortune that Messi is now 32, that he's matured, that he's watched the changes that Cristiano Ronaldo accepted himself about how regularly he should play, what role rest played in, in being elite in spring. When, when trophies, the big, big trophies are dealt out. At any rate, there's been a, a, a finding of consensus between Messi and Valverde, which has been, I think, really healthy. It hasn't won them the Champions League. You know, let's not muck about that. They were atrocious in Paris. They were atrocious in Rome. They were atrocious in Turin. And while Messi himself was, I thought, just utterly brilliant at Anfield, uh, Liverpool weren't only clear winners, they were deserved winners over the two ties. So Valverde has a spring Champions League problem. But if you look at his decision making, his relationship with Busquets, Piquet, Alba, Stegen, uh, Suarez, the, the real linchpins, the beasts of the team who can get you the sack if they want. It's not that he kowtows to them, not at all, but I think they like and trust him. They, th- they find him to be a football man of smarts. Um, Messi has come out uh, after games. He's talked more and more now as captain. Ma- Messi has come out after games. One in particular stands out, but this is not a rarity. And he's he's taken the time to compliment the way that Valverde sets a game up. This was the one where they won so utterly, fantastically at Sevilla last year with Messi scoring two or three of the best goals of his entire career. And therefore, this president, who's very political and who's very keen on his own reputation and his own legacy, is looking at Valverde and saying a couple of things. One, he has regularly brought trophies in the door, two of them being consecutive ligas. He has got the squad very much, they've got his back. And finally, and I think this is really important, who else right now, who else? Who would be, and, and you, you, you know, there's an opportunity cost. If, if Bartomeu were either to have thought after Anfield of sacking him and instead he gave him a new contract, which is only a year extension and it was only a year extension until... I mean, that's sorry, Neil. That maybe I'm sorry, Gavin, too. Maybe this sounds higgledy-piggledy. But I, I kind of took it that this was established that Valverde took the longer to think about whether he was staying on in, in late spring 2019 than Bartomeu took to think about whether he wanted Valverde to stay or not. And Valverde definitely lined up in his head, am I exhausted? Do I have the capacity to vault this this March, April, May obstacle in Europe or not? Are the players with me? I, th- I think the core thing I come back to is he asked himself, did he have the energy? And what I would say to you, uh, Gavin, is that undoubtedly Valverde wanted to, the, the, the thermometer he was using was to say, am I drained to a point at which I can't do another season? So don't anybody think that Bartomeu was going, well, it's just one more season because we know that I'm just going to use this year to find another coach and you're definitely out. It's, it was largely about Valverde's wish to stay on and belief in whether he had the energy to stay on or not. So right now, um, if there were three, four, five really poor results on the bounce, would Valverde be absolutely the Teflon Don? No. Uh, completely immune? No. But I think that Bartomeu has, has pretty much manacled himself to this coach until the end of the season Xavi has made it absolutely clear and he's playing right now he's won a trophy with Al Saad he's in the quarterfinals of the cup with Al Saad he took his team over to deepest darkest Catalonia for the pre-season training and said 
you know, I'm at this for a few years to come until I believe I'm ready. So Xavi, I don't think is the solution. I don't think he wants to come charging in right now. There are repatriations in that Victor Valdez is now in charge of the Juvenil side. Um, there are motions to bring Carlos Puyo back into the fold. There are other ex-players, I guess, but I don't think that there's a, you know, Ronald Koeman, who's currently the Netherlands manager, has always wanted to coach Barcelona and probably would drop the national team for Barca if he were offered it right now. But is he the right man? I'm unsure. And uh, Bartomeu knows that there are elections coming in 2021 that I don't think he's going to stand in. And therefore, I'm, I'm not certain how he can be tempting somebody he thought was the absolute number one coach for Barcelona anywhere in the world and be saying to him, well, as president, I'll be out in 2021. So if you take the job in 2020, you might only get a year. I think it's a real Chinese puzzle of a, of a dilemma that's in front of Bartomeu right now. And for that reason, unless there are disasters, I think Valverde is relatively safe. But it's for, Gavin, it's for a patchwork of reasons. The, the dearth of who to appoint if you were to sack him. The fact that the president retains faith in Valverde as, a, as an operator, as a man. And Valverde one-on-one -on -one is a very, very impressive, sound character. People like him. People like to trust him. He's intensely hardworking. And that has reflected on his relationship with the majority of his players. And therefore, while the football was extremely patchy in the, de in the dead end of last season at Anfield, in the home leg against Liverpool, it wasn't a 3-0 win for Barcelona, although the history books will always say so, in the cup final against Valencia, there was exhaustion. And I think, Gavin, to finalise now, we need to read into the substitution, the last substitution made at San Mamas where Carlos Perez is brought in. OK, he scored in the pre-season. Very good, that's, that's excellent. But when Carlos Perez is brought... On at San Mames, if memory serves me, Busquets is left on the bench. Um, there's another senior player left on the bench. I should be able to tell you immediately who it was. But there were choices that he ignored. When Carlos Perez starts against Betis and Ansu is brought on as the final substitute, Rakitic is left on the bench. Artur is, is left on the bench. Again, there's one other left on the bench who's crying out for uh, match practice. And Valverde makes a statement about, I'm doing things my way. I almost feel right now he's a coach liberated to say, I've learned a little bit from the last two seasons in spring, and I'm going to make decisions differently from now on. And they may be right, they may be wrong. But he, he strikes me as a, a coach who's going, I'm going all in. I'm going to stand or fall on my own principles this last season. Okay, thank you for playing, Gavin. I hope you uh, enjoyed Graham's answer to your question there. Next up is Rehman Mohammed, who, it's a quick one, I think. He's, he's asked for an update on um, Jack Harper. His question is actually, is this finally going to be Jack Harper's breakthrough season, which is possibly more complicated question than it, than it sounds like. I think it is worthwhile for, uh, for listeners who haven't been following Jack's career closely to give a brief background there. So I'll just say that Jack's a 23-year-old uh, Scot who had a very colourful sort of youth career, um, which involved the academy of Real Madrid and then um, Brighton. Uh, he's since played for Malaga. He was signed this summer by Hetafe. But Graham, he's going to be playing Segunda football this season. Yes, he is. And first of all, Rechman, thank you for the, the question. It's a subject that fascinates me and it's a subject that I wish... 
I, I could spend more time on generally in that I'd like to be watching more of uh, Alcacon, um, who have taken uh, Jack on loan from Getafe. And I think that the, the initial thing when we saw him moving from Malaga to Getafe, in terms of development, we thought this is exciting. Number one, because Malaga are in a terrible mess. They haven't got all their players uh, registered. The owner has done interviews in the press talking about how much money he's lost at the club. But still, I think most people who follow Malaga and care for the club think that it's got gigantic organisational and financial problems. And therefore, they're also, although in an ideal world, they've got an opportunity to go up. Uh, this season having lost in the playoffs last season and having scored an away win and a home draw a late penalty against Las Palmas at the weekend where Ruben Castro that 38 year old veteran what is it with Spain 38 year old goal scorers where we've suddenly got Adarith and Mata and Ruben Castro and a whole number of players finding love in, in the Indian summer of their career. Malaga looked like a place for Jack to be getting out of. Whereas Hitafi is hugely well run from their not too attractive uh, president, whose views I don't often find myself uh, enjoying, to Bordalas, their intense, clever, nationalistic uh, coach who brought them to the verge of the Champions League last season. And you'd have thought that while Jack might not have been an automatic starter, it was a club where you'd imagine he'd develop. You'd imagine that he would find the competition around him, the footballers around him, particularly those who either are creative or out-and-out strikers. I'd have thought it would have been a, a, an environment in which he would flourish. They see him as a project for perhaps when they lose one of their bigger players during the season because clubs will come looking to pick these footballers off. A player who might come to them in a year's time when he spent the season with Alcorcón. Jack made a, a very auspicious uh, debut away to Numancia, who are, I think, uh, an organised and difficult club to beat. And it, he produced a, uh, an assist for the winner from uh, Danny Romera and it looked like the perfect start. Um, he comes off. I think he picked up an injury. He doesn't play against Elche and therefore we, we're a little bit stunted, Rechman, in knowing exactly how he's going to uh, fit in there. I don't have oodles of time to be watching Alcocon and therefore over the coming weeks, months I'll make a point of doing that to see how Jack is playing I'll try to speak to him but I was a little bit uh, I must say a little bit disappointed that he wasn't maintained at Hitafe even if he had to fight for a place in the first team rather than being loaned out they have a strategy they're a very clever organized club therefore I'm certain it won't have been whim that he's loaned out there'll be an idea behind it and partly because he's Scottish, but partly because although he might consider himself 50-50, having spent so, so long growing up at Fuengirola and then in Real Madrid Castilla, the, La Fabrica, the factory, he may consider himself 50-50 Scottish-Spanish. There's very little question um, that we consider him Scottish. And it'd be lovely to see a player of his ability and, where, and given his, the position that he plays in, developing strongly enough to be reconsidered for Scottish national uh, selection at a time when we are reaching out for that type of talent. Let's see whether Alcocon is the right place for him to, to do that, to make that leap or not. And Rahman, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want to paint you a sketch that I wouldn't be confident of, of whether 
uh, Fran, his coach, and Arca Corner as a squad is definitely the right place for Jack. First foot was good. Three points the week before last. Absent completely from the squad uh, this weekend, this past weekend. Fingers crossed that it, it's a staging post for him and that maybe at Christmas time, having done so well at Alcorcón, he's called back by Bordelas into the Primera and into Europa League with Getafe. OK, time for a break. Back before you know it with more questions from our socios. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, we're back. Graham, you just talked about Jack Harper. Our regular inquisitor, Athan Sokolas, is also on a similar theme. He's asking, are there any other young players you're looking at this year? So let's take Jack off the table. Let's take Jean-Felix off the table as we covered him in part one of this podcast. You know, who else do you like? Is there like two or three young players that you've particularly got your eye on this season? The, answer, the quick answer is obviously yes, but there is a footballer that David Moyes gave his debut to who I think now is pretty well known but it's still only 22 and given how many times um, on this podcast we've had the privilege of speaking to Athan Athan he's, he's never he's never actually confirmed to me which he prefers it's a very very beautiful name there is no question about that I'd swap um, but Athan you will know, given how often you are in contact with us, you will know about Mikel Oyarzabal. And if you have the misfortune to listen to me co-commentating on La Liga television, then you'll be absolutely clear what I think about him. I'm um, startled by his development. He's called Bigfoot, I think, because he wears about size 14 or 15 shoes. He's he's not a local lad as such in that he was born and brought up in A-Bar. All his friends and family are season ticket holders at A-Bar. But Oyarzabal is... To my way of thinking, he makes a heart skip. Whether he's a runner off a main striker, whether he's the main striker, whether he's wide um, on either side, whether he's playing in a counter-attack or whether he's sitting high against a team and trying to produce uh, shots of power from outside the box, um, I think that his uh, library of skills is, is wider than 
his equivalent, let's call it, uh, across the divide. I'm going to be there um, on Friday night when Athletic host La Real in the Basque Derby at San Mames. And, and of course, I'm talking about his equivalent being Iñaki Williams. And I think Oyarzabal probably has more of a game. And at 22, he's younger, but he's, he's holding responsibility on his shoulders. And I, I adore watching him. I've got just the absolute highest hopes for him. Another in that team, and I'm going I'm to skip over Martin Odegaard, who I acknowledge everybody is getting ultra excited about now. The guy who, on the European circuit, was coming through nose and nose with Christian Pulisic from, let's be honest, from five years ago when international representational teams were playing under-16 football, when sort of Meridian Cups or the, the Nike Cup or the Cyprus Cup or little tournaments that we know less about were being played, the continent was abuzz about Odegaard against Pulisic. Because Odegaard's dad was noisier and pushier, it was Odegaard, despite the fact that Pulisic was probably dominating the tournaments more, playing, was, was more of a mature, leading footballer, and they're almost identical in profile and age. Odegaard's profile got hugely inflated and he got a Real Madrid move at a time when he wasn't ready for it. I mean, even Pulisic, I think, needed time to to establish himself at Dortmund in a club that was supportive, that was well-coached and uh, with a fan base that was not only noisy but loyal and patient, which, you know, poor old Odegaard didn't have that at Real Madrid or subsequently when he's been loaned out across half of Europe. Now, after... An extremely good season. I think everybody knew that Vitesse had been a good club for him, that the Dutch league had been the right place for him, and that he began to shine. Odegaard has hit the ground running at La Real, and maybe he'll convert himself into one of the players that, in a couple of months, I'll be saying to you, yeah, and that is definitely Odegaard. Instead, there are two more in this same squad that I think... Well, I, I honestly think are worth talking about. One is Mikel Marino in midfield, who had an underwhelming time at Borussia Dortmund, showed much more at Newcastle United. I think anybody who went to St. James to watch Marino said, all right, he, he's clearly not come to the boil yet, but boy, there will be flavours in that cup. And he's delicate in terms of his wit, in terms of where what he'll do with the ball, his balance on the ball, to show you one way and go the other is lovely. He's very clever about link passing. I think he's one of these footballers that can either help the transition come from the breakdown and then a very rapid transition up front, or when you're trying to pass your way through quite an organised defence, Marino has both those lock-picking skills. And I think that we're going to really enjoy watching him on the ball. And it excites me that all of this is happening at a time when the La Real Cantera youth system has been productive and well-organised for long enough that the first team is now chock full of, of product and the La Real senior junior team, La Real B if you want, is, is coached by Xavi Alonso. So it doesn't mean that he's automatically going to come in, wave his magic wand and say, I bless you with all the skills and experience I've got. But I believe he's going to be a good coach, not based on how he played alone, but on what kind of man he is. Serious about football, very bright. I think he's going to be a good communicator, good teacher. And therefore the flow of pupils over the next couple of seasons, I genuinely hope will continue. But in the meantime, 
we've already got a footballer up front in Ander Baranachea. I think he's an 18-year-old at best, maybe 17. Played representational football for Spain this summer all the way up to a victorious final. We're also talking about, you know, footballers... There's one more I want to go to because right across the division, there are players who hugely excite me. I'd love to say that Carlos Ethan will have seen Carlos Siller player often enough that it'll surprise nobody that I've pinpoint him and Ferran Torres at Valencia. But Soler's now out for a considerable time, six, seven weeks at minimum. Ferran Torres, again, representational European champion this summer. Fabulous, absolutely fabulous footballer. But one that people might know a little bit less about who... You know, I'm a bit sort of transfixed by, I would have to admit, is a kid going across the uh, the Basque Divide again and into the athletic cantera is a kid who's called Ian Sunset. And that's pronounced the best I can manage. So for anybody who doesn't know about this kid, Sunset is spelled S-A-N-C-E-T and Ian is, is a Basque name. And we lost a kid who I was hugely hugely excited about Lauren who went from Real Betis to Napoli played for Ancelotti and last season even at a young age a Spaniard moving to the heat of Serie A heat in terms of intensity smarts the meanness of Serie A and stood out literally stood out played utterly brilliantly for Spain under 21s as they won the European Championships this season and yet lo and behold this kid Sunset seems to me to have all the time and space in central midfield that Lauren had. It's its amazing to see what looks like a carbon copy of one kid coming through. He's 19. He, he's obviously given athletics policy, born and bred there. And he's just, he's got little bits of Jao Felix in terms of if he's tight in a space, he's got a trick and a flick that gets him out of that log jam and away again. But what he wants to do is to be given the ball on the half turn and to show that the two, three moves ahead that he's got, that he can use the ball to match the, the, the pictures that he's got in his head. And therefore, if his development continues the way that it's been going so far, and given that he's got a coach in uh, Garatano Athletic who trusts him and, and who will use him and who brought him on to make him part of the win over Football Club Barcelona to, to massive fanfare. I mean, the, the, the fans were absolutely beside themselves. I think he picked up a, a minor muscle strain that day and therefore, it, whether we see him in the Bass Derby this week or not, I, I, I'd love to, but I don't really care because these are the guys, it's coincidence, and I could go to other footballers, Brian Hill down at Sevilla, Ansu, at, all I knew of Ansu, who came on for Barcelona um, with about nine or ten minutes left against Betis, all I knew was that he was he was still young at juvenile uh, basis. So that's a couple of teams underneath the first team. And that like Xavi Simons, who went away to Paris Saint-Germain, his contract was coming up. There were clubs all over the, the elite leagues, particularly led by Manchester United, who wanted to take Ansu Fati away from Barcelona because although he's still small, age just 16, the word is that he is a genuine phenomenon and that his decision-making, his pace, his goal-scoring, his cojones <laughs> make him elite. Having watched Dongao come through under Oscar Garcia in the youth league and having thought that I'd, I'd rarely seen a striker like that at age 16, I have to be careful because Dongao's 
promise spluttered and died. And he's now, well, look, I don't know, he was at Zaragoza last I looked, and then he's moved on from there again. I, I know that where, where Don Gao, who had so much fun watching and hope, so much hopes for, has gone, I couldn't actually tell you right now, which is a bit of a shame. But Ansu, when he came on, one thing I noticed was that whether he's a brilliant goal scorer or not, he's been trained such that his football brain, his decision-making for a 16-year-old on his debut at the camp now, his decision-making was sparkling, absolutely sparkling. You could imagine a 16-year-old coming on and going, I'll show what I'm good at, I'll run at somebody, or if I get the ball, I'll produce a brilliant finish. But he did everything right, and he just showed that his brain is good. It isn't just, say, pace or some innate talent. So there's a handful of people who, to my mind, and and I could go on and on and on, but there's a handful of footballers who will be catching Maya, who I'll be following very closely. According to the internet, Jean-Marie Dongao is currently clubless. He is uh, a free agent. Oh, bloody hell. At the age of 24. Well, that ain't right. That ain't right. I'll tell you something. Anybody, Anybody in the Celtic staff who saw what Dongao did to them in in the youth league will be saying hmm <laughs> like he, he he's not particularly tall and you know we're well blessed for strikers but let's take a punt on that guy there was a time and it wasn't just my opinion i remember speaking to oscar garcia about dungao and he said look the sky's the limit he can be anything he wants to in football because his pace and his talent and his is what he's got you know for those who never saw jimmy greaves i i really only saw jimmy greaves on tape having despite being old enough to have seen him in some match of the day games but when when messi started scoring slide at home goals where he just goes i see a space and i'm just going to snooker snooker shot that into the corner it doesn't need power it just needs placement that that Dongao had that that certainly he could shoot on the run he could put power into things he could fire off a snapshot but he seemed to finish in a way where a six foot gap looked like a 26 six foot gap to him and he just went I'll just put it there which is the thing keepers hate most because there's very little pullback of the leg. They get a little time to set themselves, all these kind of things. And yeah. Dongao had that. Now, after Barca B and some Barca first teams, whether he misbehaved, whether his head wasn't fixed right, whether injuries have stripped him of something, I don't know. At Zaragoza, he was regular without scoring many goals. Boy, oh boy, what a, what a loss to... F- Neil... When we go around and we talk to these footballers as part of the big interview, and, and when each of you have done your interviews, it, it, what is it, 100 times that an elite player has said to us, yeah, there was this kid who was better than me, and now he's nowhere. So Donga fits into a, a, you know, <laughs> a very large family when great footballers tell us, no, there was many better than me when I was young, and they just, for one reason or another, don't make it. I hope Jean-Marie Dongao doesn't become one of those. And for the moment, Ansu Fati is at the other end of that pendulum. Things are about to swing his way. It was huge fun to see him come on. And it was huge fun to see Valverde taking that risk and saying, I, I don't really care that Artur and whoever else is, is left on the bench, Raki for another. But th- this, is the, this is the guy I'm putting my faith in. OK, let's wrap up with a question from our sponsors at Bet365, who would like to know who you see challenging this season for that sort of final top four position if we assume that it's Barcelona, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid in some order. So I was wanting you to 
break it down for us and then maybe make a pick. If we talk about Valencia, um, Sevilla, and, and even maybe Hetafe repeating their sort of run from last season. This is where it's good to have a mouth the size of the Mersey Tunnel because I get to boast. But it's first of all, hello to the world's favourite online betting company, our sponsors, Bet365. Thank you for supporting us. At this stage last year, if you remember, somebody said, who will be the breakthrough team? Who will be the surprise team? And I said, Espanol. And they were. And they made Europe for the first time in a decade and... Um, as we speak, not as the, not by the time this goes out, but as we speak, they're three 0 up in the first leg of or of their um, or three one up, pardon me, of the first leg of the Europa League. So I hope they're a Europa League qualified team by the time you listen to this. At any rate, I, I don't know. I think that there is a fighting chance that Letty win the title. Not not odds on. Not. I think that it's a two way fight. I I don't think Real Madrid are title material. I think it's Atleti Barca for the title. And I can see a situation in which Atleti win. It largely depends on do they get Rodrigo from Valencia, which they're trying to do. Does Diego Costa stay fit? Other than that, I think that their squad is pretty well equipped. Football Club Barcelona's travails we've talked about enough. Uh, Real Madrid's travails we've talked about enough. Team four, everybody says Sevilla. Again, I have my doubts. Sevilla are constructed to, to play Champions League football and to reach fourth as a minimum because Monchi's come back. That brilliant talent spotter has come back from Roma and brought in sufficient new signings, a whole raft of them. I think when on day, on day one of the season, there was about seven or eight new footballers in their team. I'm uh, yet to be wholly convinced by them. It's only week two, but I look at Sevilla under Julian Lopetegui, ex-under-21 coach, ex-Real Madrid, ex-Porto coach, ex-national team coach, sacked because of the mad way he handled a job offer from Real Madrid, sacked before the first game of the Russian World Cup. There's lots to like about him, but I think they've got a team now in Sevilla who, although they've won twice and sit top of the division, have replaced a lot of craft and wit and technique with a lot of height and power and I'm unconvinced that the Nerion is going to fall in love with that team. If they keep winning, then obviously people will come will come blind to the to the beauty spots and the blemishes. But I, I worry about whether De Jong, Luke, not Frankie, is going to provide them enough goals. It needs to be a big season for Munir. Nolito keep, needs to keep chipping in um, here and there. I, I'm unsure about Sevilla and I say that first because everybody else around the country... Um, ex-players, coaches, pundits, when asked to predict the top four, 90% of people put Sevilla fourth. They said that because it's been a really troubled summer at Valencia with the managing director nearly quitting, Matteo Alemán, with the threat that that might take his favoured son, Marcelino, plus the football director, who they both uh, wanted appointed and who's in post right now. <laughs> there were real dangers of, of the whole relationship from ownership down to uh, executives and manager that breaking down. Um, there was an emergency meeting called. Peter Lim managed to convince the executive team and the management team to stay. But Rodrigo being sold is something that nobody who's working at the club rather than owning the club wants to happen. It's part of their corporate plan that every season they must sell a big talent. It's on record to, to cut into their debt. They said we want to qualify for the Champions League every season and every season we have to sell at least one of the players who got us there. Now, that is a vicious, vicious cycle for a coach to deal with. And Valencia haven't started brilliantly. Don't look right. Rodrigo was rested um, or, or left out in their defeat at uh, Balaidos this weekend. Marcelino said, well, it wasn't because he asked to be left out and it wasn't because the owners told me I couldn't pick him. But he would say that, wouldn't he? From Monday onwards, when the, champ, when the, pardon me, the transfer market ends, we'll be able to understand differently whether Valencia can, can click 
because if they click and Rodrigo stays, it's my opinion that Valencia can finish fourth again. They don't look anything like it right now, but they can. Hetafe, I don't see finishing fourth. If there's an outsider, then maybe it's La Real. They haven't started fantastically, but their squad is superb. Their coach is somebody that they understand. Athletic Bilbao maybe are almost as blessed in the relationship between squad and coach. They don't have as many goals. So my outside, and I mean outside tip for fourth, is La Real. And my slight dark horse is Valencia, but the nation says Sevilla. I'd love it to see a Champions League football coming back to the Anoeta, and maybe that's where I'm going to rest. Viva la Real. Thanks for listening. This is a Backpage production with Graham Hunter. Our music is by Beer Jacket. If you like it, please tell someone else who might like it too. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.